together. Uh, I know that there's a lot of celebration, right? Perhaps you've already celebrated or perhaps you're doing so right after this or maybe it's tomorrow, whatever the case may be. Uh, it's good to uh, come together and to celebrate the birth of Christ, and that's really what, uh, uh, what the, the Christmas holiday uh, is essentially about, that Jesus, who is the Son of God, who is the, the light and life of men uh, coming into the world, the world of darkness, in order to save his people from their sins. And so that will be the, the focus of our evening. And so we want to honor the Lord and we worship him and, and, and think about these things. Uh, during this time, and so it's a joy just to celebrate together. And uh, before we begin with our service, let me just make you aware of a couple of the things. Uh, two, uh, first is that uh, immediately following the service, uh, there will be some, uh, some, uh, some drinks and some uh, desserts, uh, some light uh, things down in the fellowship hall. So if you're here, uh, feel free to, to go downstairs uh, and uh, pick up something uh, to eat or drink and hang out and mingle and chat uh, before, before you head out. Uh, also, uh, towards the, the end of the service, uh, we uh, traditionally, during our Christmas Eve services, we will uh, sing Silent Night, and we will also be uh, lighting uh, each other's candles, uh, which you uh, should have received on your way in. If you're not, feel free to grab one in the back. Uh, and uh, the idea behind this is, to be, is, is intended to be a, a sort of a, a representation of Jesus, who is the light of the world coming uh, into the world, not only into the world, but also into the hearts of those who will receive him, and that, uh, and it's also uh, represent, representative of our uh, carrying the light of Christ into the darkness of the world and letting our light shine before men. Um, also, uh, while we are doing that, it's important that you heed uh, this, uh, some particular instructions as we do that. Um, a couple of us will be come, uh, going down the aisles and, and helping to light uh, each, uh, people's candles, that is, those who are sort of on the outside of the aisles. And so uh, if your candle is lit, uh, help uh, light the candles uh, of those who are next to you. Um, and also, as you're doing that, uh, it is important that uh, if you have a lit candle that you, don't, uh, that you don't tip it over to light someone else's candle because we want to prevent some of the, uh, the wax to, uh, from dripping out and falling onto the carpet. So if you have an unlit candle, uh, don't be afraid to sort of lean into the person who's next to you and sort of uh, tip your candle towards them to sort of avoid uh, the, the, the drip of wax. So uh, with all that being said, um, let me uh, transition us then into our actual service, and we want to begin this time by opening up with, a, uh, with an Advent reading, and then I'll, I'll open us up uh, with a word of prayer, and then we'll transition into uh, to singing some songs. So our, our reading for this evening uh, is from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. Familiar to some of you, I'm sure. Isaiah 9, verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. 
Lord, we we come before you this evening and we want to honor you and worship you as the one who is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father. Lord, we thank you for coming into the world and bringing this light that you offer to the world, a world that is uh, in desperate need of this light that you carry. And Lord, as we worship you this, uh, this evening, help us to reflect on this light, this everlasting light, this brilliant light that you give to those who put their faith and trust in you, this light that they carry with them for all of eternity, this light that comes to us in the form of a child who grew up, died on the cross and rose again from the dead and ascended to heaven to the right hand of God. Help us to remember and reflect on these things. And may our hearts just be open to receive from you through our worship and through your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 2.13 tells us that a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared to the shepherds, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. So let's stand and join together, singing praises to God and to his Son, Jesus Christ, the word of the Father who appeared in flesh to bring us the light of salvation. Oh, come, all ye
Bible says that after the shepherds had seen Jesus in the manger, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. We can join in telling the story in this next song, the first Noel, and responding with joy in the chorus, Noel, good news.
Okay, I'm going to read to us from John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. So if you do have a Bible, please feel free to turn there with me. But the words will also be up on the screen as well. John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In him, that is in Jesus, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we... Father, we pray this evening uh, as we think about the celebrations of the holidays, as we think about gift giving, as we think of good food, as we think about good company, all of these things being wonderful blessings uh, that you have given to us because of your common grace. Lord, we want to to think more deeply on the light that is Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that you may help us uh, this evening, that whatever we have uh, to look forward to, whatever has come before or behind us, perhaps yesterday or the week of, whatever may be in our hearts and our minds, Lord, that may be distracting us, I pray, Lord, that you may help us to set our minds and hearts on Jesus this evening. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The light of my life. That is an idiom. Perhaps you've heard it before, which also happens to be the title of a movie starring Casey Affleck about some dystopian future that I've never seen before, so I can't recommend it to you or not recommend it to you. But it is an idiom, and that means sort of the, somebody who is the love of your life. It can mean the person who brings you the great, a great source of be a great source of happiness to you, a great source of joy, peace, security. That if you were to lose this person, that your world would descend into darkness, in a sense. Studies show that, they, that people who are in a committed, long-term relationship, if that relationship should sever, are much more likely to become depressed. Now, I don't think we need studies to tell us that, but when somebody who is the light of your life, the one who is a source of your happiness, somebody that you find intimacy and comfort and security with, of course, there is a greater, greater risk of depression, perhaps, And while studies might show that there are links between broken relationships and depression, depression itself being, in a way, a sort of darkness, there are also links between the darkness of the world and the absence of light. Though you won't find that kind of research in books or websites, but you only find that kind of link in the Word of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the light of the world. And this, thing, and this actually speaks to how things ought to be, that the world ought to find its source of joy and meaning and happiness and security and intimacy 
and the one who is the light of the world, and that is Jesus Christ. And when the world fails to do so, well, then there is only darkness. And it's for this reason, because there is so much darkness in the world, that there is so much depression and suicide and violence and sin in the world. Jesus is life, and this life, it tells us in the Bible, is the light of men. And so what I want to do is sort of take this passage and examine it and sort of ask three questions to help us to understand what this means, that Jesus is life and that this life is the light of men. And so the first question I want to begin with is, what is this life that Jesus gives? And this life that Jesus gives has everything to do with us. Now, when it tells us that in him was life, it's not telling us that Jesus is alive, and that's telling us that Jesus, that in Jesus was life, not in the same sense that you and I have life, as in like you have life in you right now. And how do you know that? Because you can see me, because you can hear, because you can think, and that way you know that you are alive. But that's not the kind of life that this passage is actually talking about. It's a particular kind of life. Jesus will go on to say in John chapter 6 that if you fail to do this one thing that he calls all men to do, then you have no life in you. Now, mind you, Jesus is speaking to people who are alive, people who can see him, people who can hear him, people who can respond to Jesus. They are alive, and Jesus says, if you don't do this one thing, you actually don't have life in you. So he's not talking in the middle of a graveyard to a bunch of corpses. He's talking to people who are living and breathing. And he's saying, if you don't do this one thing, you actually don't have life in you. It has everything to do with us because Jesus is saying that everyone that has life, but not everybody has this particular kind of life that he's offering to people. And what is this life that Jesus has in himself that he offers to the world, but that not everybody has, and it is eternal life. John 5, 39, Jesus, speaking to the religious teachers, says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Verse 24 of that same chapter, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Jesus is telling these religious teachers that you search the scriptures, you look to the commandments of God, because you think that in them you have eternal life by your obedience to them, by following strictly, and he's saying, actually, it is the commandments, it is the word of God that points to me, and it is in me that, I, that there is eternal life. And the world is actually in this pursuit of eternal life. Right, there are people, very brilliant, smart people, who are looking for ways to try to sort, somehow transfer someone's consciousness into a computer, in that sense, sort of live forever. But aside from that, there are people in the world who spend a large amount of money each year 
in order to keep their youthful features. That is, in a way, trying to pursue eternal life, pursuit, pursuit of immortality. And it's not wrong that people should do those things because God, actually the Bible tells us that God put eternity into the hearts of men. So it is actually natural for man to want to live forever because God actually placed that desire in every human person. But you don't have to look so hard or work so hard to get it or to find it because it is in Jesus, and Jesus offers it freely. So what is this life that Jesus is offering, this particular kind of life? It is eternal life. Second question, what makes Christ fit to give this life? On whose authority? By what authority did Jesus give this kind of life? Firstly, here in the Gospel of John, it tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This Word is Jesus. Jesus was in the very beginning with God. And if we go all the way back to the book of Genesis, where it all began, it tells us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And here, John, in his gospel, is telling his readers that in the beginning, yes, there was God, and in the beginning was the Word as well, and that is Jesus. And that Jesus was God. And that everything was made through Christ, the book of Colossians tells us that all things were made for Christ. And so this, the, the, the temporary life that you and I have right now, this life that is, what, that is here now and gone in just a moment, it is because of Christ. It is because the Lord Jesus gives you this life. And so what makes Christ fit to give eternal life is the fact that all life has its source in him. Secondly, God the Father authorizes God the Son, Jesus Christ, to give this life. John 5.26, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Verse 21 of that same chapter, For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. If you were driving down the road and you were pulled over by a police officer and you roll down your window and you ask, what's going on, officer? And he, let's say he pointed to your inspection sticker and he says, Sir or ma'am, this is six months old. I'm giving you a ticket because you haven't inspected your vehicle. Imagine if you were to say to the officer and just say, well, oh, no, it's okay, officer, because I inspected the car myself. I checked the tires, I checked the brakes, I checked the fluids, I make sure that the blinkers were working, I make sure the headlights were working and the brake lights, everything is fine. I inspected the vehicle myself, so it's fine. But he's going to look at you like you're a fool. He says, no, you actually need to go to an authorized technician who is authorized to do inspections who's authorized to give you a pass or fail, and if you pass, you get an inspection sticker saying that you passed. Right? You, don't, you and I don't have the authority to say that we, our car is fine and we've inspected it ourselves because nobody's going to respect that. Only a police officer is not going to respect that. In the same way, we might come to Jesus and say, what, by what authority do you have to 
give this eternal life. And the authority comes from God the Father. Jesus has the authority to give this particular kind of life to whomever he will because he was authorized to do so by God the Father. But you might ask, well, why should we take him at his word? Just because you say so doesn't mean that it is so. But if we read through the Gospels, you see that Jesus has done many works. He healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, even raised the dead back to life. And the Gospels tells us that one of the primary reasons why Jesus did these kinds of works on earth is in order to bear witness to the fact that he is the Son of God and that he has that kind of authority. John 14, 11, Jesus speaking to the crowd says, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So even if you do not believe in me, at least believe on account of the works. See the works, read about the works, understand the works that I have done so that you may know that I do not do this on my own authority. Though I have all the authority to do this, but I, my authority comes from God the Father. So what makes Christ fit to give this kind of life is the fact that he created life itself, and because also God the Father of higher authority has given the Son the authority to give this kind of life to whomever he wills. And third and lastly, how does Christ give this life? John 6, 33. Jesus says, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So how does Christ give this life to the world? He does it by dying. This life of the world has come into the world. He has life in himself, and yet he did not come into the world in order to live in the world forever, but instead he came into the world in order to die. He came to us in the form of a baby so that he might grow into adulthood, be tempted by the devil, persecuted by people, heal the sick, proclaim the kingdom of heaven, suffer and die on a cross, and then rise again from the dead. And that he would rise from the dead is to be expected from somebody who has the authority not only to create life but also to give eternal life because if he had remained in the dead, in the grave, we would have no reason to believe in him. But the very fact that he rose from the dead shows us that he does have the authority to give this kind of life to whomever he wills. Because, of course, this person who has that kind of authority and also creates a life would not be overcome and subdued by even death itself. And this is the life that Jesus offers. It is eternal life. But just because Jesus offers it to the world doesn't mean that everyone has it without exception. Jesus commands us to do something, and if we wish to have this life in us. John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
Jesus says, if you want to have this kind of life, well, then you must believe in me. You must follow me. Jesus is saying that you must make him the light of your life. And then you will no longer live in darkness. You will live forever with God and with Christ. But this kind of life, this eternal life that Jesus offers, isn't just about living forever. But it has much more to do with relationship. John 17, verse 2 Jesus, speaking about the authority that he has over all flesh, he adds that he has the authority to give eternal life to all whom whom God has given to him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus came into the world not only to reveal himself as the Son of God, Jesus did not just come into the world in order to reveal to the world God the Father, but Jesus came into the world in order to give eternal life and make a way by which people can have a relationship with him and with God forever and ever and ever, beginning now. This is what eternal life is essentially about. It is about an eternal relationship. It's about living forever, but it's about living forever with God. It's about knowing God forever and ever and ever. So as you go home and celebrate, listen, enjoy the holidays. Celebrate, celebrate the holidays, celebrate this occasion, not just this annual holiday, but celebrate it with the light of the world in mind. Let the memory of what God has done in Christ enhance your celebration and give glory to God. Celebrate Christ as the light of your life. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus, make him the light of your life. Receive him today. And this will be the greatest gift of the holiday season that you will ever, ever receive. Make Christ the light of your life. Amen. Let me pray for us, and then we will sing, we'll conclude by singing Silent Night. And as I said, we'll, uh, we'll light uh, one another's candles. And as we, even as we do that, I think about Christ, who is the light of the world, who has come into the world, not to serve himself, not to live in the world forever and ever and ever, but he came into the world in order to die and rise again from the dead so that anyone who comes to him in faith can also receive this light of life, and that is eternal life, living forever with God, living forever knowing God in Christ. Lord Jesus, we... We come before you this evening, and Lord, we we might feel a sense of shame. Sometimes we would rather hide in the darkness, because if someone was to turn the light on, 
they would see our sin, they would see the bad things that we've done, we would, they would see the things that we have been ashamed of. Lord, but your word tells us that anyone who comes to you, you will never cast out. No matter how great their sins might be, no matter how many things they might be hiding in their closet. We thank you, Lord Jesus, because you light, you shine your light into our hearts, and you don't turn away, but you beckon us to come to you. So, Lord, help us to come to you, to trust in you, to follow you, to believe in you, knowing that you will never cast us out. Help us to remember during this holiday season that the light of the world has come into the world in order to save his people from their sins. May we celebrate that and rejoice in that. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. can stand with us as you get your candles lit and sing with us silent night. Jesus promises rest for our souls. Think about that as you sing this.
Amen. So glad uh, to have you here with us. Let me just conclude with a, a benediction from the book of James. James chapter 1, verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Amen. God is the Father of lights, and what a great gift that He has given unto the world, that He has given His Son, who is the light of life, so that all those who believe and trust in Him may have the light of life in themselves. Amen. Enjoy your holidays. Merry Christmas. And again, please, please feel free to join us downstairs in the fellowship hall for just some mingling refreshments. So, amen. Good to have you here, and you are dismissed.